Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you're listening in. Uh, my next guest is Debbie Lundberg, and she is joining us from Tampa, Florida. And we're going to talk about um, what she does to help people present powerfully. As a matter of fact, that's the name of her company, Presenting Powerfully. And let me ask you something. If you're a leader, if you're a business owner, if you're a speaker or a salesperson or whatever, you're going to present yourself. You're going to present yourself to some people at some time. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the topic is reserve, reversing the slobification of America. And I can't wait to talk about this. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Happy to be here. Can anybody say that phrase without giggling a little bit? <laughs> well, those who do, I tell them that they may not be interested in it because it is a fun way to think about how we have become what I call slobified in our society, in particular in regards to communication, behaviors, and relationships. The upside is we can reverse it, and that's what we like to focus on. That's great. So that's what we're going to talk about. But first, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how and why you started presenting powerfully. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. It it really is. You let in so beautifully with it. Everybody presents, and how you present, I say, is how you are remembered, whether it's on a phone call or in an email or a formal presentation. So I'll take you back on a journey that started many years ago that I was interested in business as well as teaching, even as far back as undergrad, and realized that going into business was really the pull for me, but I still love the idea of teaching or coaching or sharing things with others because I appreciated the learning so much. And in my career with General Motors, when General Motors was uh, bringing women out into the field, I had that opportunity to call on dealers as one of those first females in the field and had such an interesting time of it and was really fortunate to have success and to, to travel the country and progress. At the same time, I trained Dell Carnegie training throughout the country. And that combined that business acumen with the training and coaching ideas, and I brought it together to 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 form what was originally uh, Debbie Lundberg, Inc., and now is presenting powerfully because, as you said, we're all going to present. So that resonates with so many people who are interested. I think I know the answer to this, Debbie, but why have we become so slobified? Because we can. And hmm. unfortunately, we tend to hold people to a higher standard in many ways than we hold ourselves. We will excuse ourselves from doing something or following through by saying, oh, I didn't have time, or you know how it is, or I'm just so busy. And these are all things I encourage people to strike from their vocabulary, not as a directive, but because we don't want people to perceive us as not being somebody who can follow through and has control of our time. So we're able to because we surround ourselves sometimes with people who will allow us to 
muddle a little and also perhaps complain. And as a result, we feel like that's the standard. But if we get bad service or we wait somewhere, boy, how often do people tweet and Facebook and Instagram a picture of it just as quickly as they can without realizing that we're all in this together. That's a great point. And so there's kind of this technology not to, you know, not to, that's a scapegoat, but they're a good one because technology has created a situation whereby we're expected as service people to respond to more quicker, um, more succinctly. And it used to be, you, you, what, sat down and somebody wrote a letter. I'm complaining. I'm sending a letter mm-hmm. to the president, you know, or, and then the fax machine, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm faxing a letter to the president. Now I'm putting it on Yelp, you know, in, in, yes. in, 57 characters I'm going to I'm going to ruin their business. And so uh, on the other, on the flip side of it when we give service uh so so we have people telling us they want stuff faster so we have to respond quicker but on the other hand when we give service uh it it can work against us in a hurry too. It can and we can we can look at that as is feedback and that's what I encourage people to think about is every keynote is every teaming is every training or is every coaching session I do perfect Absolutely not. I do stay within my area of expertise, and I do focus on the clients or the attendees. And so if somebody gives me criticism, I view it as feedback. And that's what I encourage people to think about, to say, thanks for letting me know about that, whether it's 57 characters on Yelp or 140 on Twitter or face-to-face, that instead of defending what is presented about us, what about considering the person's perspective and how that might, that is absolutely true to them and how can we make that so it's not true for others in the future and hopefully salvage that relationship and if not, make sure we don't damage some others by doing something that we don't realize is hurting them. In other words, if there, if there are bad comments, there might be a good reason. Maybe you should pay heed and take, you know, take advantage of that as an opportunity to get better, Right. So You're right. Yep. And if there is a review like that, then to say, thank you for making time to share that. Please let me know or please let me contact you to resolve it. And then people who see it will realize that you owned it. Right. And that that itself is not slobby. <laughs> Sloppy. It's that not itself. slobby. You're right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so so let's talk about what you know, leadership. What makes a leader, Debbie? Well, there are so many things that make a leader, and when when we think, if we want to narrow it down, I like to look at things in two to four increments because we can process that pretty quickly, and, and often we can retain it. So if we think of the ABCs of leadership, it starts with attitude, and we all have attitudes. Some of them just aren't as appealing as others, so it's about a realistic attitude, a positive attitude, but something that's not a Pollyanna, certainly, but an attitude that welcomes people and also conveys that there's a there's the ability and that leads us to the b which is belief and when people believe in themselves they will often believe in others so this isn't a cockiness but it's a belief that what we're doing matters what we are doing has value and the reason we want to share it is because we believe it will benefit others not just ourselves and then that consistency I can tell you can have a great attitude, you can believe in things, but if you believe in one thing today and something else in three days and something else in three months, you'll lose the perception of leadership if you're not consistent. 
doesn't mean we don't change our minds when we get more information sometimes, but the consistency in being thorough, the consistency in, in not being sloppy, as you said, the consistency in being respectful, the attitude, belief, and consistency are great foundations for a leader that is who is humble and who is willing to learn more. That's really great information, and I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking that uh, that consistency creates a bit of a legend uh, of a leader, mm-hmm. you know, know the whole uh, how would how would uh, how would our president do that if he were not here, um, and you know, how would our founder have done that? Um, it, it's it's a great um, it's a great way to create that 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 legend of of who you are in a business, and uh, that you know, You're right. it's it's not easy to do, uh, but for a lot of people. So how are we motivated? Uh, how are we motivated or driven as individuals? I'll, I'll, if I may answer that with a with a, a fully baited question of Have you ever thought someone was lazy? Then if I asked you, and not to put words in your mouth, but I ask a lot of audiences that, and and nine times out of ten people will raise their hand if I say, please raise your hand if you've ever thought someone was lazy. And then in a playful way I tell them, you may not like my answer to this because I really don't believe that people are lazy. And that gets to your question of being motivated. I believe we are all motivated. We just deem people lazy who don't do things the way we think they should could or in the time frame we'd like them to do. So people are motivated. They just don't necessarily align with our motivation. So people are motivated by four things, time, money, people, and opportunity, meaning they want to spend time on something, either more time or less time. They, if that's a time person, a money person might ask, how much does this cost? How long will it take to pay this? What's my return? That's a money person. There's a people person who often says, I'm a people person. You know, they say that in their interviews. But they may be more interested in who's surrounding them than the work at hand or, or an opportunity, which is the last one. That opportunity is somebody who says, how can I get that title perhaps or climb that mountain, something mm. that seems like a, a very big goal for them that is very personal. And in that time, money, people, opportunity mix, it will change throughout our lives. At the same time, one of those things will be pretty consistent. And if you think about your family or you think about your colleagues or people who work on your team, then they, you'll say, oh, that's right. Debbie's a people person or Bill's an opportunity person. And you think of that first, you can start to frame how you position things, work, questions, all sorts of things, because you keep that in mind of the language that resonates with them. So instead of thinking, let's say if somebody was a um, a time and people person and they worked for somebody who was a money and opportunity person, you could see where they might not align. But let's say that money and opportunity person said to a to a a person who's a time and people person, they said, you know, if you can just postpone your vacation that you've been planning for the last year with the love of your life by two weeks, I'll pay you an extra $2,000. Well, that that person who is a time and people uh, motivated soul is going to say, no, thank you. And then the opportunity money person is going to say, you know what? She's lazy 
because she wouldn't do it. Oh. And it doesn't mean the person's lazy. It means you're not aligned with what drives him or her. That's so it's, very it's about our not. Thank you. It's about our not not judging people in general, but not even assessing people by the same things that drive us. I like to encourage people, move from judgment to assessment. And when we assess, we can be fair. When we judge, we're typically harsh. Is it, does it become evident if you sit back and think about someone and watch their habits? Or are there, are, are there like there are a lot of uh, uh, tests, personnel tests and those types of things mm-hmm. that tell us, uh, a lot of valuable characteristics about how a person will work, what they will and won't do, you know, how they're motivated. So what's, or is this something that's just self-evident if you sit back and, and wait for a while and watch them, you'll, you can tell whether time, money, people, or opportunity will motivate them. You can typically tell over time and, and a, an even more direct way to do it is to ask because if let me give you two examples, please. If you're in a sales situation and you you want to uh, sell a product or a service, whomever you're working with, if you pay attention to the questions they ask, if they say, "How fast can you have this?" and and you know we're looking at other bidders and we're looking for the lowest cost, well, that's time and money, and I'm I'm oversimplifying a bit for the sake of of our time here. But if we say to somebody. Now, if if we're looking at the service and I lay out four things, is time, money, meaning pricing, people, meaning who you're going to work with, or is it the opportunity for what you'll gain from this? What's most important for you? People will typically tell you. Now, they may take a second and say, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I'll tell you what, money people will say, well, we've got a budget. And so even if they don't answer you directly, they will give you the insight into what's driving, and it's usually one or two things. Because if people say all four are important, you can certainly be respectful and say, absolutely, and if we could only pick one or two, what would they be? So that's one example. Similarly, with your family or friends or or colleagues or someone who works on your team, if you say, in order to best coach you, in order to best lead with you, what's most important to you if I lay out these four things? And someone may say, you know, it used to be all about money when they first got out of college or first started working. But now if they have a family or if they have a family member who's ill or if they have a distance between their close friends and them, they may say time is more important because it takes time to spend with, oh, here comes their number two, people. So mm-hmm. if, we, if we make time to ask the question and then listen, we can really learn so much in a quick conversation because people will tell you, just be mindful it may change. So every so often, ask that question again and then have a conversation around it and about what's changed. That's part of leadership. That's part of that belief that you, you can get something done. You just, you just want to know the information. That's a great point. So knowing knowing what type of leadership style is going to make sense for an individual and that and how, that is going to... Uh, really drive how you address them and try to motivate them. And tell me about something, because a lot of times things don't go as planned, and, and what happens then? What's next when things are, are moving along, and then you had a plan, and it doesn't work out? What's next <laughs> after that? Well, it does happen once in a while, as surprising as it is, right? So there, yes. are, there are four reasons things don't happen. And it's important for each of us as individual contributors, team members, leaders, to say, let's be realistic. What happened? 
So we have to start at the base. Do people know? Did they know what was expected? Did I know what was expected? So if it's something that we didn't do, did I know? Did I know how? So that's the how, and that's where coaching comes in. Did I get the right coaching? Was I was it shared with me how to do this? Do I really want to? Did I want to do it, or did I have a bad attitude? Going back to the attitude. And then the last one, which is sometimes the most challenging, is does the person or do I have the capacity to do this? So let's say if if something doesn't get done at work and you delegate it to somebody, then you say, did they know about it? Okay, I felt confident I, I shared the, the expectation. Did they know how? Shoot, perhaps I didn't coach them on how. I just gave them the information. Do they want to? Oh, boy, I didn't ask. And do they have the capacity? Unfortunately, we view a lot of people on our team as, as as capable as we are because we brought them on. So sometimes we'll say, well, of course, when I was their age or when I had that experience or if it were me, I would do it this way. But they might not have the capacity. It doesn't mean they're a failure. It just means it's not a good fit. So what we want to do if things don't happen is we want to make sure people have information, they have the know-how, their attitude is great, and they can have the capacity. If that's all aligned, then something was missed. So then we can go back and say, let's redefine the goal. Let's assess what went well and what we could improve on. Let's consider new options, and then let's decide on the path. So we don't want to stay stuck in the in in the history. We want to move to the future. Brilliant stuff, uh, Debbie. You you explain things so clearly and succinctly. It's a, it's a joy to listen to your tips and ideas. Tell us a little bit about uh, your book, uh, Reversing the Slobification of America. What's what's it? Uh, who should read it, and what do they? What will they get out of it? People who want to lead themselves and others in the way they present themselves, whether it's through communication uh, on email or in person, and it breaks down to 63 tips. So they're very quick tips on the three areas of effective communication, professional behaviors, and thriving relationships. The book came about as my first three books were reworked and I asked clients, what tips have been most valuable for you over the years? So in the first seven years of my practice, what tips did you like most? And then I brought those into the book. And who should read it are those those people, like I said, who want to grow themselves and assist in growing others and have an awareness. It's progress, not perfection. So it certainly isn't about never missing a step. It's about not missing the same step twice. And uh, you uh, present your your ideas and, and uh, workshops to business owners and business leaders as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what you do, right? So you are you're a Vistage mm-hmm. I think you're a Vistage uh speaker as well, right? On their speakers bureau? Yes, and it's a pleasure. Mhm. They're a great group. I I'm a member of a Vistage group and I can tell our audience Vistage is a group of CEOs that get together and share ideas and, and listen to wonderful speakers. So when you talk to someone, um, uh, to a group, uh, what's the title of your presentation? Is it Reversing the Slobification of America? At times it is. At times it's what I call Leadership 401, which means what are those four reasons things don't happen, four drivers, those motivators we covered, four questions leaders overlook, and the four keys to presenting powerfully. And then other times it's about presenting yourself powerfully, about polishing the overall approach to even how you answer the question, how are you? 
to how you you interact on the phone, how you interact in emails, how you handle things like that. I also speak on demystifying the madness related to time in meetings because people can uh, can get a little crazed by that. So I'm fortunate to have a, a lot of things I get to speak on that fall into those those areas of expertise. Yeah, and it's again, as I said, you communicate it beautifully. It's very clear, very succinct, and uh, you. What I like is you you say, "Hey, there are four factors here." I mean, it's memorable. It's memorable. You can take notes on it. Great stuff. So your book, "Reversing the Slopification of America," is available on Amazon. And uh, yes. how do our listeners best get in touch with you? Well, thanks. I'd love to hear from anybody, whether it's for a consultation or a quick question or to book something. And I can be reached at 813-835-0196. That's 813-835-0196. Or email at Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, at Debbie Lundberg. And Lundberg is spelled L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G.com. Or my website has a, has a click-through, which is DebbieLundberg.com. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Again, uh, uh, your your uh, your tips, your ideas are so beautifully presented, and I'd love to have you on again to talk about um, uh, more about these, especially your 63 tips and some of the things we talked about today, and just go deeper on it because I think there's a lot of information here for our listeners. So thank you again so much well, for joining you. us, and I look forward to a future conversation with you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this, so please stay tuned. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. So you can be well planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 